Somebody asked, how do you get to heaven? What would you say? I really, I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't know. You just wait for the t time, I suppose. Following the Ten Commandments, um, being a good person. Yes, you are. Don't do any, you know, any sense. If you do right when you're here, you got a pretty good avenue to get there. I'm more worried about this life, personally. It's a continual process. It's how you live your life. You can live your life as a good person and be in heaven all the time, or be a miserable person and never reach heaven. But heaven is here. We have there's heaven on earth, I believe. She said that uh, being a good person, uh, but the heaven is actually here. If you treat everybody fairly, I believe that he's gonna look on, he's gonna look at you in a fair and compassionate way. So. I, I think of it like that. You're judged on how you've lived your life on earth. It's your choice. You decide you want to live in heaven, you decide you want to live in hell. It's different things, but don't nobody actually know, so you just have to do what you feel is right. Some of us know, some of us don't know. So I don't know if anybody really has anything, what's real, what's not. Do things right on earth when you're here. Don't, don't screw people over. I live a, a good, clean life. By living righteously. Because if it was one way, then everybody would be that way. It's not, it wouldn't be all these different religions and different things. What you call is a karma. It totally depends on that. I think by doing good things and helping other people um, is the only way to uh, get to heaven. We have to go to church and pray, do good things. Believe in God, do good, go to church. That's a very good question. I have no idea. I, I don't presume to know the mind of God. Well, where's heaven? You're already there. Uh, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Taoist. Uh, we swim in the energy that's been here forever. Uh, we're in it right now. It's, it's heaven or hell. It's whatever you create at, at your any given moment. What kind of questions are these? Wait, wait, who are you guys? <laughs> what is this? I would say from what I've been, there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, how do you get to heaven? You uh, being kind and caring and loving to everybody. Doing the right thing. Making the right choices. And ultimately, God says he will forgive all of us. Uh, angels? <laughs> Living the good life. 
I don't believe in heaven. I don't really believe in life after death. Uh, the people who remember you, that you live on in that way, but no other. Be good to one another. Exactly. Do good in life. I don't know. I don't know if there's a heaven or not. The enlightenment everybody seeks at the end of their life, I think, is kind of just, it's found in the world around you. I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I don't really have an answer for that. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. It's good to uh, be in God's house with you today and uh, to share this time with you. And we welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here. And we hope that you'll feel a part of our family as we worship God together this morning. We'd like to invite our first-time guest to uh, drop by our hospitality table on your way out of the uh, foyer. We have a little uh, gift that we would like to give to you this morning. Um, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets this, this morning. That's on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. Give us as, uh, as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. Uh, and especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email uh, address on there. It's a good way to keep up with the activities we have going on here at Community Baptist Church. As we saw from the uh, video that we watched just a few moments ago, there's a, there are a lot of different concepts and ideas of what heaven is and, and, or is not and uh, how to get there or how not to get there. There's a lot of different ideas out there in the world about, uh, about heaven. Uh, I'm glad that we know what heaven is, is about. And we, I'm glad that we as Christians are, are seeking for heaven or know at least a little bit about heaven. I don't think we really know until we get there what heaven's going to be, uh, be about. I think we do know it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. But this is a part of the, uh, the video series or the, uh, the study series that we've been doing on Wednesdays about sharing our story uh, and, t- and sharing our faith with other people about Jesus Christ. God has told us that heaven is one of the outcomes um, of putting our faith in Christ. We have abundant life here on earth, and we have eternal life in heaven. And so we have that to look forward to, and we just wish that everyone had that as well. Come and join us on Wednesday nights and learn about how to share your faith with other people. It's a wonderful time. We've been having a great time. We will not be doing that this Wednesday because we have business meeting this Wednesday. Uh, but the following Wednesday, we'll be continuing our, our study on uh, being a contagious Christian and sharing your faith with, with others. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, we have uh, finished a week of vacation Bible school. Uh, Mary is applauding. (laughs) She's probably applauding the fact that it's over, but also applauding the fact that we uh, it was a wonderful week and uh, and applauding all the good volunteers that we had. But I understand (laughs) Uh, it was a wonderful week. And we thank Mary and all the other volunteers uh, that helped with Vacation Bible School uh, this year. Do you know how many people, how many kids we had? Do you remember the numbers? Between 80 and 85 and 90 every day. So that was wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, next week is Father's Day, 
And we will be having a Father's Day breakfast uh, next week at 9 o'clock. And so we invite everyone to come and be a part of that uh, and share that time together. And after the worship service today, uh, uh, about nine of us, nine of us will be headed towards eastern Kentucky. We're going to uh, Whitley City and uh, stay there and then drive down a little ways to uh, Pine Knot, Kentucky which I think is just a little hole in the road, uh, but we will be building a house there this week. They've done some pre-building, and uh, they've got the foundation and the, the frame up, and I think they were going to put the, uh, the roof trellises up, so we'll be uh, picking up where, where they have uh, left off beginning tomorrow, early tomorrow morning, and working all week very hard. I think we're working like 10 or 11, 12 hours a day uh, to get this done. And in one week's period of time, we will have this house finished. And next Saturday, we will take the keys and hand it to the new owners, a very, a very worthwhile, uh, needy family. And we will celebrate uh, them getting into this new house. So be in prayer for uh, your mission team that you are sending to Eastern Kentucky this afternoon. Be in prayer for them all of this week, uh, please. Um, we're going to have a time of welcoming, I mean, a time of greeting each other and, uh, and sharing the love of Christ. And then our praise band is going to uh, play a little and, and then our children will come up. And I want to point out to you that uh, we have a, a new member of the praise band here, John Haynes. If you have never met John Haynes, you need to meet this man. He's a wonderful guy and a, and a wonderful addition to our, our praise band and to our church. So uh, welcome, John. We're glad that you're a part of, of, of us here at Community Baptist and, and with the bright praise band as well. Thank you very much. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Join in and sing with us. You know this song. 
Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. invite the children to come forward for our children's moment. Uh, Mr. Herb will be right up here, so uh, come on up, children. I've got here one of my favorite things. Anybody know what this is? It's a lamp. And I really like it. I, it's like one of those little access lamps, you know, accent lamps. It doesn't pull off a lot of light, but it's really neat. I really like it. It's chrome right here, you see, a little brass right here. And then I like this little lampshade right here. It's all got caning and everything. And it's got the neatest little light bulb. And when I want to when I want to have a little more light than normal, I just turn on the bulb. I just turn on the bulb. Bulb. The bulb's not turning on. I checked it this morning. What? what? It's not plugged in. It's not plugged in. Duh. That's so stupid of me. 
Well, that brings me to my lesson, come to think about it. The light won't shine unless it's plugged in. It's got to have power. Now, the Scripture's going to talk about, people argue about where Jesus got his power today. Where do Christians get their power so their light can shine? How do we, how do we get our power? From God. God gives us the power. Okay, what? We go to church like we are right now. That gives us, you know, that connects us with God. Do you all pray? You pray at night? Okay. Praying to God helps give us our power. Jesus prayed a lot. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about we always pray. We should always pray. We go to Sunday school and we and we talk about the lessons, and then you all are going to go back into church and you're going to talk about the Bible, what the Bible says. That's how we get our power. So if I were to plug this in, then my light would shine. And when you all are plugged in and God's giving your power, your light can shine. Okay? Thank you all. Thank you all. And now it's time for you all to go to Children's Church. Please join me in our responsive reading for today titled Church. It's printed in your worship folder and will be on the screen. Young and old, sons and daughters of God, all you who are the diverse creations of God's imagination and love, join in praise and thanksgiving as we worship the one who brings us together. We come together in partnership and mission, knowing that we are called to be the church.
to celebrate God's presence, to serve others, to seek justice, and to offer the hope of the resurrected Christ. We are called to the one hope of our high calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man, then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins in whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother.
Heavenly Father, we come to you today humbled at all you give us, humbled at all you can give us. We ask for your spirit in giving back to you of our time, of our tithes, and our talents. For we are told that if we give back, you will return it tenfold. So may we give with a cheerful heart and a joyful spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen.
It was a cross, a cross I knew. I cried, Lord Jesus, and he spoke my name. I saw his hands all bruised and torn. I stood to kiss away the marks of shame. The shame for me that he had borne. Take up thy cross and follow me. I hear the blessed Savior call. How can I make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave his been in the midst of basketball playoffs lately, and so I thought I would start today with a, uh, a story about basketball great Michael Jordan. One night, uh, Michael Jordan scored 69 points in a single game, and it was the same night that rookie Stacy King made his inauspicious debut. He was a rookie, it was his first game, and the result of his uh, efforts that night was that he shot one free throw and made it. That was it. Well, after the final buzzer, a reporter came up to King and asked for his thoughts on the game. And King said, with his tongue firmly placed in his cheek, I will always remember this night as the night when Michael Jordan and I combined for 70 points. Well, I guess that's one way to look at it. You know, Michael Jordan was a great basketball player. And yet John Elliott, in his book titled Overachievement, claims that Michael Jordan was not really a very gifted basketball player. 
For example, Jordan only ranked ninth in the NBA for field goals made, 18th in total points. He never ranked first in any major NBA statistic. Even in his prime, Jordan was not the the fastest or the most accurate shooter, and he certainly wasn't uh, much of a rebounder or a brilliant defensive player. And yet Jordan is considered by many to be the greatest player of his era, if not of all time. So how did a poor defender and an average shooter get to be the most valuable player five times? Not to mention earning the reputation as the the best hoops player on the planet. Passion? Confidence? Determination? Well, all of these things were involved, of course. Michael Jordan, who was cut from his middle school basketball team, simply set out to be the best basketball player that he could possibly be. The rest is history. You know, there's a part of almost every one of us that is thrilled when somebody shoots for those lofty goals and makes it. The pioneer, the successful entrepreneur, the, the, the victorious athlete, all of these speak to us of the, of the ability of the human spirit to achieve tremendous accomplishments when it is properly motivated. And when we hear these stories, we are somehow able to vicariously share in these achievements and and, and somehow find hope for our own lives. President John F. Kennedy's hero was his grandfather. And he loved to hear his grandfather tell stories of his about his boyhood in Ireland. One of these stories concerned how grandfather Fitzgerald used to walk home from school each day with a group of his friends, his buddies, and and sometimes these boys would challenge each other to climb over the high rock walls, the stone walls along the country lanes there. But there were times when young Fitzgerald and his buddies were hesitant to climb over the walls. They were too high or, or too steep or not enough footholds there. And so they didn't They were hesitant to to even try to get over the walls. So they devised a way to motivate themselves to take the risk. And here's what they would do. They would take their caps off and throw them over the wall. (laughs) Because you see, they knew that they had better not come home without their caps. And so... After tossing their caps over the wall, they had to climb over the wall to get them. So they tossed their caps over the wall as a way to to motivate themselves to take a risk. And there comes a time in all of our lives when we also would like to toss our caps over the wall. There are times when we long to take a risk to make a change in our lives, whether we want to to change jobs or to start a new business or to go back to school or whatever it may be. There comes a time in all of our lives when we feel the need to take a risk. I know of one young man in particular who decided to make such a change in his life. 
He was 30 years old at the time, and he owned a successful small business that his father had left to him. He was secure. He was well-liked in his community, well-respected there by his family and his friends and his neighbors. And he was, he was meeting his responsibilities, but he knew that this was not where he belonged. You see, he felt a, a tug. He felt a call to the ministry, a, a ministry of, of teaching and preaching and healing. And so he threw his cap over the wall. At first, he met with tremendous success and, and his reputation soared. His, he became tremendously popular. But as his popularity increased, so did his critics, especially in his own hometown. Some of his closest friends tried to discourage him from pursuing his dream, and even his family was concerned about him, but he stuck with it for three years before he met an untimely death. And I want you to think about this. As he hung there on that tree between two thieves, dying a cruel and unjust death, feeling forsaken by God and by humanity as well, no one would have judged his life to be very successful. But it was. In fact, it was the most successful life ever lived. And, it, and all of this, of course, took place in, in, in Jerusalem and in, around Nazareth and Jerusalem and Israel more than 2,000 years ago. But you see, Jesus tossed his cap over the wall. And we're glad he did. He modeled for us what a life of adventure should, should truly be. And it's something that we should look at and, and follow in our own lives. Early in the 20th century, the world was thrilled when Colonel Charles Lindbergh was the first to fly his plane over the Atlantic Ocean. As he was leaving the land stretches of, of uh, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland, he kept looking down on the forests and the lakes and the valleys and thinking that if an emergency came up, he could, he could land and, and that little clearing over there beside the river, or, or if he could clear that little clump of trees, he could land in the lake. But soon there were no more clearings. There were no more lakes. There were no more clumps of trees. Just ocean. And he kept on going. He tossed his cap over the wall. Now let me ask you something. Doesn't it make your blood run just a little bit faster to know that there are people out there who have charted a heroic course for their lives and seen it through? Well, folks, let me tell you. There are times in all of our lives when we need to just throw caution to the wind and toss our cap over the wall and take the risk and do what God has called us to do. Just like Jesus did. But of course, no one has ever done anything that mattered very much without his or her share of critics. Winston Churchill was hailed as a 
a man of heroic stature, and he was, but he was also one of the most criticized politicians who ever lived. But you know what? He was also a man who knew how to handle his critics. <laughs> There's a wonderful story about Churchill dealing with one of his critics. He was attending a, a state dinner one, one evening with Nancy Astor, and um, she also had her own reputation of being sharp-witted and sometimes abrasive. And it seems that during this dinner, Lady Astor was compelled to listen to Churchill expound upon his views on a great number of subjects, all of which were at, at odds to her own strongly held beliefs. And so finally, no longer able to hold her tongue, she said, Winston, if you were my husband, I would flavor your coffee with poison. To which Churchill replied, Madam, if I were your husband, I would drink it. <laughs> no, nobody ever accomplishes any, anything worthwhile without his or her share of critics. Even Jesus didn't. He had his critics. In today's lesson, Jesus was still in the early part of his ministry, but people were beginning to take note of him. And he, was, he had chosen his 12 disciples. The crowds were growing larger and larger. People were coming in from everywhere. Momentum was building but almost immediately he ran into opposition. And surprisingly enough, some of it came from his own family. Mark tells us that when Jesus' family heard about what was going on, what he was doing, what he was saying, what he was preaching, what he was teaching, they went to him with the idea that they would bring him back home and make him quit all this nonsense. They said he's out of his mind. Can you imagine that? Jesus' own family wanted, to, to, wanted him to shut down his ministry and come back home. Isn't that the way life is sometimes? Sometimes the, the people who are the closest to us have the hardest time coming to grips with, with our dreams, our aspirations. You know, husbands and wives can especially have, have problems because of this. I like the story about the first grade teacher who took her pupils to, on a field trip to the local zoo, and, and each child in turn was given a, an opportunity to guess the names of the different animals that they saw, and the, the camel, and the lion, and the giraffe, and the bear, and the elephant. All of, the, all of these animals were named correctly. And, but then it came to, to one little boy's turn, and the teacher pointed to a deer. And she asked him, if he knew what that was, and, and he hesitated, he didn't really know what to say. He wasn't at all sure of himself. And so the teacher tried to prompt him along by saying, think about what your mother calls your father at home. And so the little boy brightened up immediately and said, so that's what a baboon looks like. <laughs> now, I won't ask you if your spouse has ever called you a baboon, and my spouse will never say, right? <laughs> but I can assure you that anyone who seeks to make a dramatic change in their life is, is going to get some criticism for it. 
And it sometimes may come, may even come from your own family. It can come from your colleagues as well. In Jesus' case, it was the teachers of the law who gave him the most grief all throughout his ministry. With a sneer on their face, they, they greeted his teachings by saying that he's possessed by the devil. That's the only way he can cast out these demons. It's because he's possessed by the devil. Well, that's the way life is sometimes. Start to, to make some waves and people are going to try to knock the oars out of your hands. Criticizing your work. One person calls it the sock theory. Jonah Salk, of course, was that great doctor who discovered the vaccine for polio. And he's hailed today as a pioneer and a hero in the medical world. But what you may not know is that he also had to deal with a lot of critics in his time. But at one point, he made an interesting observation about the nature of criticism. Here's what he said. He said, first, people will tell you that you're wrong. Then they will tell you that you're right, but what you're doing is really not all that important. And then finally, they will admit that you are right and that what you're doing is very important. But after all, they knew it all the time. We all have our critics, don't we? But the best way that we can deal with our critics is to do what the builder of the Panama Canal did. John Frank Stevens had to endure hard hitting criticisms from countless busybodies who predicted that he would never finish his work. But his response was to steadily press forward and say nothing. One of his subordinates who was irritated by all of the flack and all the criticisms that they were taking asked Stevens one day if he was ever going to answer his critics. And he said, in time, when the canal is finished. Well, folks, there, there comes a time when we need to toss our caps over the wall in spite of everything that the critics are saying. Because, you see, nothing is ever accomplished by those who just want to sit back in comfort and cherish acceptance above everything else. There comes a time for what is often called a leap of faith. And, of course, the greatest leap of faith that we can take, the most spectacular and often the most courageous change that can, make, can be made in anyone's life is that of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, it's unfortunate that for, mo for the most part, that statement will fall on deaf ears. And here's why. It's because all too often we have confused discipleship with church membership. Or maybe we have confused discipleship with respectability. But folks, let me tell you something. There is no risk involved in being respectable. And there's no risk involved in belonging to a church. But to become a disciple of Jesus Christ... To move from a nominal belief to a radical conviction, to move from a nodding acquaintance with God to a complete sold out commitment of one's life, to put our loyalty to Jesus Christ above everything and everyone else in our lives, that is much more of a challenge 
than digging a canal or finding a cure to polio or being a great basketball player. It's hard work. It takes a lot of effort and commitment to truly be a disciple. I was reading about Noel Paul Stuckey's conversion to Jesus Christ. Some of you probably remember him. He was the second member of the musical group, uh, the trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary. I know that some of the younger folks are going, who? (laughs) Some of us remember. But at one point, Suki was going through a hard time of searching and crisis in his life, and he was disturbed at the hypocrisy of his own life. And he turned to one of his old Greenwich Village friends, a guy named Bob Dylan, for advice. Bob Dylan gave him some good advice, told him two things that stuck out in his mind. One, go for a long walk in the country. And two, read the Bible. How about that? So Paul took his advice. He walked in the country and he, and he took that long walk and it did help him to sort out his priorities. And he read the Bible. Even though his, his folk group has, had sung many uh, spirituals and, and gospel tunes, Stuckey had never really opened the Bible before. But now he, he read through the entire New Testament and parts of the Old Testament. He had a hard time with some of it, and it was slow and, and, and often mysterious, and you didn't quite understand a lot of it. But, but something began to happen in Paul's life. And today, he is a sold-out disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul Stuckey tossed his hat over the wall, and he put Christ first. And he made sure that nothing will ever take precedence or even be on a par with his relationship with Jesus. That's what discipleship means. It means following Jesus and none other. So isn't it time for some of us to toss our cap over that wall? A certain high jumper was referring to a world, set, a world record that he set, and he said, I just threw my heart over the bar and the rest of me followed. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do today. Throw our heart over the altar and the rest of us will follow. It's exciting to read about the early days of Jesus' ministry. He had his critics, of course, but he he never let that deter him from his call. And I think that his life is a challenge to all of us today. And it's time for us to toss our cap over the wall. It's time for us to take that leap of faith and to commit our lives to something from which we will never be deterred. So here's the question for you this morning. Are you ready to take that leap of faith? Are you ready to truly become not just a church member, not just a respectable person,
but are you ready to become a disciple? You can. Just take that step. That one leap of faith. Just do it. Amen. We're going to sing and give you an opportunity to respond to God's leading in your life. We're going to sing number 447, Trust and Obey. And there may be people here who have never taken that leap of faith in your life before. You've never trusted in Jesus. Or maybe you've been in church for a long time, maybe all of your lives, and you've kind of kind of been uh, giving God the nod. Yep, he's cool, you know, but you're not really sold out, not really a disciple. Disciple means that you follow. Maybe today is the day to make that commitment, not just to not just to give God that nod, but to really give God your life. If God is dealing in your heart today, we invite you to make that commitment. To say to, to the Lord, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe that he that through what he did, my sins are forgiven. And today I'm depending on that. And I'm not only doing that, but I'm giving my life to you and making you the leader of my life. And I will commit to follow you from this day forward. That's going to mean I'm going to have to do some things that are will draw the criticism of, of others. That's going to mean that I'm going to have to do some things that may be uncomfortable for me, but as a disciple, I'll do it. If you've never committed your life to Christ in that way today, we invite you. If you're looking for a church to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and pray. Would you come in as we sing 447, Trust and Obey.
As you know, um, some of your church members, your fellow church members and uh, participants are about to leave here uh, to go to eastern Kentucky. We're involved in something called Extreme Bills. And during this week, thank you, <laughs> and during this week, we will be building a house for a family, a couple named Butch and Marianne Brown. Uh, Butch is in very bad health. He is 56 years old, and he looks like he's about 90. Um, he is very frail. He's on oxygen. He cannot do very much. He, he's, he can't do much at all physically. And his wife, Mary Ann, is his full-time caretaker. They live in a dilapidated old trailer right now, over 40 years old. The floors are literally, literally falling out of it, and it can't be repaired. And so this is a family that has been chosen to receive this house that we are, we are building for them. Uh, some people have been there this week. Uh, since Wednesday, they put the foundation in and put up the, uh, the frames on the walls. And the, I think the, the uh, roof trellises went in yesterday. And so when we get there tomorrow, we're going to start working hard. When we get there today, we're going to rest. <laughs> and when we get up in, in the morning, we're going to start working very hard all week long. And next Saturday, we're going to hand them the keys to their new house. Uh, I have asked... Um, the chairman of deacons, Frank Knight, to have a time of dedication and prayer for the ministry team. And so I'm going to ask all of the ministry team, all of the, the mission team that's going to be involved this week to come on up here, come forward. These are we, except for Alice is coming as well, and she's working, and she's going to be running in right after work here in just a few moments. Alice will be joining us as well for this mission team. So we are the mission team from Community Baptist Church. We'll be joining others from around Kentucky uh, through the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. So, Frank, would you bless us and send us off? with your good tidings, and this will be our closing prayer. It will be my honor. Would everybody please stand? You bow with me in prayer, please. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your blessings for and to dedicate this missionary work of these individuals in your name. We ask that you keep each of them safe and to keep the fire, the fire that is wanting to help others in your name, burning within their hearts. And may all that they encounter see the light from that fire, and may that fire spread like a wildfire. May the work that they do help others, but more importantly, may it inspire others to do work as well. We all say we want to help our fellow man, but these individuals are putting these words into action, just as you have commanded all of us to do. So as they go on this journey... May they also go on a spiritual journey to look inside themselves and to know that they, they, these that they're helping are not the only ones who will reap the reward from this mission. Father, may they be contagious Christians. And if all that they meet, they meet do know you, 
then lead them in a path to those who do not know you or lead others that do not know you to them and they may spread your good news and increase your kingdom tenfold. We humbly ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.